Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. We are now addressed by the living Lord through his living word. A song of ascent. Greatly they have afflicted me from my youth. Let, er- let Israel now say, Greatly they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back and made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here in these spaces. Give us your spirit of illumination that we would understand your word as authoritative and true and life-giving revelation to us. Father, thank you once again for sending Jesus to us and for us. Jesus, would we know your presence and welcome now as we come from various places of faith or skepticism, success and sorrow. Do a good work in our midst now, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You can be seated. Here is a comedy pointer for you. This is one of my many rules of comedy. I'm sharing one with you here. And it's this, if at first a joke doesn't succeed, keep telling it, okay? So if you have a joke and you think it's really good, but it doesn't land and people aren't laughing, that's okay, just wait for another opportunity, whether it's with the same people or with different people, doesn't matter, tell the same joke again, and eventually somebody's going to laugh. And so I'm gonna tell you right now one of my jokes that you may have heard before that nobody has laughed at yet, But maybe this is the time when somebody will. Preaching is cheaper than therapy. And that's the whole joke. It was kind of like a Stephen Wright one-liner, but there you go. Preaching is cheaper than therapy. And what that means is, yeah, I could go to a counselor, talk about my personal problems, talk about how things aren't right, talk about how I'm 100% right and everybody around me is 100% wrong all of the time. But why would I do that when I'm here with you? It's cheaper than therapy. It's a joke, okay? So I am a believer in therapy. I've been in counseling at various stages of my life to great effect. If you're in counseling, that's great also. I've been on meds at different times. They've been really helpful to great effect. So preaching is cheaper than therapy. It's a joke. But then sometimes I think, on the other hand, when I go to therapy, I pay. But when I preach a sermon, 
I get paid. So why not just move in this direction? And you might be thinking right now, what is going on with Pastor Jim? Why is he doing Jim Gaffigan right now? <laughs> Bottom line, come with me for a couple of minutes here this morning into Psalm 129. I like to begin each year preaching, and for those of you that have been at Liberty Collingswood a little while, it's not unusual for me to begin a calendar year with a psalm, and Psalm 129 from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, is a psalm of affliction. From the very beginning, greatly they have afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, greatly they have afflicted me from my youth. And I was drawn to preach on this psalm because I'm really bummed about COVID. I'm really bummed about that. The pandemic continues to be a huge bummer for me. So indulge me as we have a conversation right now about such things. Thank you for your prayers. I had a great time with the family in Western Pennsylvania. It was restorative. It was great in so many different ways. But as headlines and emails and texts started to come our way, and then as we returned to the great land beyond the sea, New Jersey, we kept hearing about how the surge kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And I was crestfallen even when I was driving back on the PA Turnpike, thinking about how things on the other end were going to be scaled down. So on New Year's Eve, December 31st, here in Collingswood, the, the borough school system sent out an email to all the parents that were going back to virtual. And I think that was the right call given all of the factors. There was a teacher shortage calling out for COVID. They found out when they found out, it happened to be December 31st, still didn't feel great, and I was crestfallen for my kids, having done so much virtual school already, having a pretty good fall of in-person stuff, then going back. And here at Liberty Collingswood, we had been building momentum throughout the summer and fall with in-person worship. Don't get me wrong, we are thrilled with everybody that's joining us online, but it was also cool at the same time to have a couple more people in the room. That was great. And I was thinking, okay, here we go again. And Eric Mitchell mentioned during announcements that the last weekend of January for the Liberty Network, we're having Network Sunday. The day before that, on that Saturday, annually for our network is an elders and deacons, all Liberty Network meeting for our leaders. I told our consistory a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, that's been postponed. We're not doing that because of COVID, so we're scaling that back as well. And with the Represence Initiative, when first at staff level we were working on it into the spring and into the summer this past year, we were envisioning that, you know, little by little, maybe pandemic was going to get a little bit better. So here we are as well. Some things Represence Initiative-wise, I just announced one part of it. I don't think being more locked down changes something like a recovenant process, but there are other things where we're scaling back, scaling back, scaling back. And there are continuing think pieces out there where people are wondering, what's this going to cost us as a nation or as a world down the line? Not only, but including for our young people. What will the toll be of pandemic as these young people who are so formed by it will grow up? Here's a cross-comparison, and I like reading about differences between generations. It's one of my little hobbies. I think it's fun. I was reading a piece recently about the difference between Generation Z and Millennials, and this piece was observing, as others have as well, that 
often when you talk about the difference between millennials and Gen Z, the dividing line there is that if you remember 9-11, you're a millennial as opposed to a Generation Z and lower. And there are some people that say, that's a little bit of an artificial distinction because for some of us, and including in this room and online, for a lot of us, we were deeply affected and formed and shattered even by 9-11. But then others of us, maybe living in different parts of the country, for example, was a nine-year-old in Dubuque, Iowa, deeply formed by September 11th, 2001. Maybe not. It happened far away and, you know, things moved past that. But I think by contrast, that nine-year-old in Dubuque, Iowa, or on the East Coast, or on the West Coast, we're going to remember this. And this is something big. So let's not rush too fast into 2022. It's already here. It's coming for us anyway without doing a little bit of lamenting. Without doing some lamenting. Because pandemic colors the outlook of 2022 as it did 2021 before. Let's lament. Let's bring to God the burdens that we're carrying. The good news is that lament and affliction are part of God's story for us. And what if? What if as a goal for 2022, I told myself, made a resolution that I'm not going to be a cliched preacher that's going to talk in January about a resolution, a New Year's resolution of any kind. So we're not talking about resolutions. Let's not you know, go there at all. Instead, let's talk about goals for the new year that we're going to commit to and try to follow through on as the months go forward. What if as a goal for this year, we would be able to say both halves of verse 2 of Psalm 129? Greatly they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. Wouldn't that be great? There's been a lot of afflictions around me, but they have not prevailed against me. That would look like resilience in this season of the life of our world. So three parts from here, venting, praying, and longing. Let's do those three things, venting, praying, and longing. Or maybe we should call it instead lamenting. This is a song of ascents, like I said at the very beginning of the scripture reading. You might know that songs of ascents, there are 15 of those in the Psalter, and they are pilgrim songs as pilgrims in ancient Israel at appointed times of the year would go to Zion, a.k.a. Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem in Israel was founded upon Mount Zion at specific times of the year. They would road trip these pilgrims to Jerusalem for these feasts, singing these songs. And not every song of ascent is a song of affliction, but this one is. Greatly they have afflicted me from my youth. And the affliction specifically we see in verse 5 is affliction directed towards God and God's people and God's place. May all who hate Zion, verse 5, be put to shame and turned backward. So no, this is not a psalm about COVID. But you know what? It's a song. It's a song of a sense, not a story of a sense, not a prose of a sense. And you even have a call and response like songs, greatly they have afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say, and then the response, greatly they have afflicted me from my youth. Calls and responses have been in songs forever, from old Scottish metrical psalm singing 
to black work songs and gospel songs in our own country, the call and response. And the thing about songs is that they open up. And they're invitations. Come on in. Bring what you have. Bring your story. Bring your burdens to this song and find some solace. And that's, in fact, exactly what Jewish people and Christians have done with Psalm 129 for millennia, bringing their afflictions into the world of this song. And verse 3 in particular is such a striking image of being stricken. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. That, that recalls our own tragic history with enslavement in our country. And I think one would have to say, whether compared to enslavement in our country or physical continual attacks on Jerusalem and Israel in the ancient world, and some of those times were out-and-out -out massacres, COVID, I guess, is not as bad. But here's the thing with the pandemic, at least as it relates to me. It's a problem on so many different levels all at once. It floods all of the channels. So way on one end, you have death. And one of the tragedies of COVID to me in all this pandemic is that we are having to normalize cognitive dissonance when voices say, and I think it's right that COVID actually is not that bad of a virus and a disease, that it's not the bubonic plague, it, it, it's not yellow fever. And so it is more mild and that's great. And yet at the same time, the death toll climbs and climbs and climbs and climbs. At the beginning of pandemic, I didn't know there wasn't any friend or family that I knew personally killed by COVID. But now there are. And I think for an increasing number of people at Liberty Collingswood, COVID has come closer and closer and closer. I was in Western Pennsylvania with my dad and my mom over this break, like I mentioned, and my dad's first cousin, Herbie. That's a great name for an old cousin, isn't it? Cousin Herbie, old Herb, he was elderly and he died of COVID a couple of months ago. At my old church before I came here in Texas, a man died of COVID who was 30. And I baptized this person as a teenager when he joined the church. And he's gone. So it comes closer and closer and closer. And so with this pandemic, you have death and then also on one end of the spectrum, deep hardship but then all the way to inconvenience and annoyance. And it touches all of those bases at once, all together. I'm somebody that likes to make plans. Do you remember when we made plans and we had some semblance of confidence that those plans would happen? I appreciate our staff. Eric mentioned that he and Pat, our digital ministry director, were talking master calendar. Those are great things, but one of the challenges of pandemic is that pandemic has a habit of turning master calendars into mashed potatoes, where, you know, we think things are going to go in a certain direction, but then all of a sudden you have to change and change. We should still make plans, but they don't happen a lot of the time because variables are constantly fluctuating. And people have made the joke about Groundhog Day, the same over and over again. If, it has, if you haven't heard it, let me know if you have, but let me be the first, if you haven't heard it, to coin the phrase Groundhog Years. Because right now, 2022 feels a lot like going into 2021, doesn't it? With a lot of the same questions and a lot of the same contingencies all over again. And the fights, keep in mind, we're venting, we're lamenting. Preaching is cheaper than therapy. 
the fights in churches or just in our country over masks and is lockdown going too hard or not enough? And for me, one of the pages of my pandemic silver linings playbook that I'm really thankful for is that I have gotten zero angry emails from any of you about how we're handling COVID. That is a gift, and I am deeply grateful for that. There are so many churches being ripped apart by these things. I mentioned, I think, on my December 26th sermon that one of our sister churches in Philadelphia planted 20 years ago within the Liberty Network, and they have lost original founding core team members over mask mandates at church. We've been through everything here for 20 years, but now we're at the door. This is too much. And this past week at a church in our region, my wife Emily and I were on, you know, various, you get, you know how you get put on email lists and you're not sure why you're on the email list, but you're on the email list. We're on the email list for another church and there was a notice that went out saying that something that was planned was postponed because of COVID. And then somebody else on that email list replied, all. And two things about that. Number one, hashtag use BCC on group emails. Uh, but number two, this person that I know a little bit, he lit into the pastor. And it was directed only to that pastor. It was an accidental reply all. But Bible verses and telling the pastor, like, where is your faith? And I'm ashamed. This is ridiculous. I can't believe that we're not trusting and it just went on and on and on. And I know that pastor. I don't know this other person very well. But because I know this pastor, he's one of the people that knows the Bible and loves Jesus more than anybody else that I know. I just felt so bad that there was this friendly fire coming his way. And more generally, cultural narratives, so much fighting back and forth. One of the things that leaders at Liberty Collingswood has heard me say, you know, at least a couple of times Rule of thumb for us, if there's really complicated problems, that probably means there's not going to be easy solutions. If there is an easy solution to this problem, that probably means it's not complicated. But the more complicated the problem, the harder it is to find any type of solution that doesn't have huge downsides, huge pros, but then also huge cons. So when we make difficult decisions, let's not add the pressure to us that we've got to get it exactly right, because with complicated situations, including things like pandemic, there are no slam-dunk easy choices. It's really complicated. And it's insane to me how angry people can get. Thank you for indulging me. But we can lament. If you're in a position where you're online or in the room, maybe thinking like, hey, I haven't actually been bummed out by COVID. It's, it's been fine for me, but what I am bummed out is by your sermon about it right now. And I would, I would say to you, well, bless your heart. But we can lament. And lament is one of God's means whether you're a committed Christian or just exploring faith or somewhere in between, it is one of God's gracious on-ramps to be real about the world and know God's presence and peace in the midst of it. Earlier on in 2020, in our Lenten sermon series last year, we went to a book called Weep With Me as we were reckoning with racism in our country. 
And this is what the author Mark Rogop says about lament. Lament starts with a humble posture. It communicates, I'm here. I'm sad too. Let's talk to Jesus because we need his help. Lament provides a path to rise above discouragement. It's a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Laments are more than merely expression of sorrow. The goal of lament is to recommit oneself to hoping in God, believing his promises, and a godly response to pain and suffering and injustice. Let's lament. And I think the church and the world, one of the things that we can do in a moment like this is model lament. I love lament. I think it is healing for right now because lament is pain without the blame. So often in this cultural context, if there's any pain that we're registering, we want to find the enemy. Who's at fault? Who can I scapegoat? Who can I beat up? Who can I flame? And yes, we shouldn't turn a blind eye to injustice and wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But lament is about the pain so much more than the blame. And I want to invite you to take a moment right now. Every Sunday here at Liberty Collingswood, we had a COVID call out and shuffle, so I was liturgist here this morning. Uh, we take time, space to confess sin. I'm going to invite, I sometimes do this during sermons, take just a moment to be quiet and name before God whatever pains you feel in relation to the pandemic before us. Maybe it's the death, maybe it's the illness. Maybe it's relationships that have been frayed or even broken including family gatherings over the past holiday. I've heard a couple of stories about COVID wars occurring in families, just super, super sad. Maybe there's been job tumult of one kind or another. Maybe there are financial and economic pressures from supply chains to inflation to housing crunches. Take a moment now before God to name your pain and lament. We ponder, we share, and we pray. So venting or lamenting, and then also prayer. This is a prayer of affliction against God and God's enemies in God's city, Zion. We see it again in verse 5. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. And then, so if that's the prayer against God and God's enemies, then you have an extended simile. Mrs. Harrington taught me in seventh grade that a simile is an extended comparison using like or as. Let them be, verse six, like the grass on the housetops, thin, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And to modern ears, this can sound like a very vindictive prayer. God, may that your enemies and those who are afflicting me be put to shame. I'm praying against them right now. It can sound vindictive on the surface, but as I ponder a verse like this over the years, and earlier on in the fall, I talked about, hey, there's a lot of rough edges in the scriptures that may not, at least on the surface, comport with the late modern West. 
I said, if you go and read the Bible more, it's even worse than you think. There are rough edges all over the place. But how I consider this particular rough edge is that I think the internal logic of the scriptures would come back and say, if a prayer against those that are afflicting you, a prayer against Zion feels like really mean and harsh, you may be coming yourself from a hidden posture of privilege. Maybe things are just really pretty okay for you. The internal logic again, if you think this sounds harsh, the scriptures might say to you or to us, why don't you come back when you have some furrows on your back? When you're actually in real trouble, including physical trouble, when there are afflictors coming against you, and this psalm in particular with so many others have been used in exactly this way, when you're under attack, you're praying these things. And you're not saying, oh, this sounds kind of harsh and vindictive. You're saying, God, I really need help. And so a prayer like this, it's realistic, it's just, it's trusting that God would be true to his own just promises and just character for protection. And so we can pray against forces that are against us. And as we appropriate this psalm here from the Hebrew scriptures into the New Testament, the full perspective of all of the scriptures, and this is really important, it says, your enemies aren't other people. At one level, maybe a little bit, but your big bosses, your big enemies, they aren't other people. They are larger forces out there beyond any person. The Apostle Paul says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Those are the big bosses. Those are the big bad guys. Those are the enemies. And we're going to resume our Genesis sermon series this coming Sunday. We're going to get to Genesis 3, the fall, sin and death and the devil, mysteriously still under God's control, are let loose upon the world, including disease, including hardship. Pandemic is now loose. And we actually, even as Christians, can pray after a fashion for quote-unquote Zion. Because that image, that city, comes into the New Testament as a figure for the new heavens and new earth. Our words of pardon was from the book of Revelation. Revelation ends with Zion, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, coming down from heaven when God will make all things new. So for us, praying for Zion is pretty similar praying, God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray against the forces that are against God's good world and God's work of rescue in this world. So if you're bummed by pandemic, whether you're coming from the right of the aisle or the left of the aisle, you have some issues, pray against forces like this. And there's even deeper liberation here. From my perspective, if all you do is strive against other people and pray against other people even, that's going to turn you bitter. But I think one of the places where secularity is a little stuck, on one hand, it's everybody who doesn't completely agree with me is my enemy, and they're a hater, and I'm against them, and I'm going to flame them. And then the pinball in the other direction is, oh, who am I to judge anybody? No, nobody's wrong. Everybody's right. Everything is awesome. Lego movie. But that doesn't feel great either. To be a human being is to register that there are things that are wrong in the world. We need a place to put it in prayer 
Pray against these forces as a subsidiary goal for this year. What forces might you pray against for profit? And it is hard to keep praying about pandemic. One of the sad things with, I I love the home meeting that I'm in, led by Chans and Parks. Most weeks, for those of you I'm seeing faces in that home meeting, most weeks we pray for somebody with COVID, right? And at least for me, maybe I'm the least spiritual person in the group, sometimes I don't want to pray for it because I think nothing's going to happen. There's going to be a different person with COVID next week and a different person with COVID next week. Why are we praying? It's not going to do anything. But some of my spiritual heroes are exactly those people that have prayed for the same thing for a long time. That's the obedience that lasts. That's the spiritual discipline that is deep and resilient. So in any home meeting that you're in, in any group that you're in, we keep praying. And we do so with longing. A little bit of good news for you. I don't know when, I don't know how, but pandemic's going to end. Coronavirus is going to end. It might end by end or endemic, either way. Might end as in it just goes away, or it might end by way of pandemic to endemic, where, and maybe, maybe Omicron is like this. Uh, people always mistake me for like a medical doctor. That's actually not true. I'm not an epidemiologist. But maybe Omicron is one step in the direction of high contagion, but lower impact. And maybe there's just going to be eventual flattening that way. So coronavirus will still be with us, but maybe not as bad. One way or another, the good news is that it's going to end. But here's the bad news, the flip side of the coin. There's going to be something else. There's going to be something else. It might not be health-related, but it's going to be something else. Because until Jesus comes back, things are still going to be hard. One of my favorite mid-20th century authors, Saul Bellow, his first book, The Dangling Man, the main character is Joseph, and Joseph spends a lot of time talking about how life is really messed up, and there's a lot of hard things. At one point, he gets to a place in the book where he's feeling a little bit better, but there's a musical piece by Haydn that brings back all of the suffering again. Bella writes from the perspective of Joseph, the music showed me that I was still an apprentice in suffering and humiliation. Surely no one could plead for exception. That was not a human privilege. Life is still going to be hard. And unfortunately, we, in the language of Bellow, are only apprentices with more to go with suffering and humiliation. So if not a pandemic, maybe there are wars to come. Maybe there are injustices. As climate change is upon us, and even psychologically, we normalize ecological disasters. Who knows what's going to happen there? We see religious persecution in the East, and as our secular West becomes increasingly intolerant as well, I think there's a non-zero chance that Christians could face persecution here in the West within the next hundred years. Who knows what's going to happen? But if you're not a person of faith, let me, I hope, humbly suggest to you that if this is all there is, this is all there is. If this is it, this is it. And there's going to be another blow, another blow, another blow, another blow forever. 
groundhog years all the way down. Another song of ascent earlier in this series begins, I lift my eyes up to the hills, places of attack. From where does my help come? What's your answer? Is it, well, maybe we'll get this under control? Is it, well, maybe inflation won't be that bad? You know, maybe tinkering with interest rates will, will make things better. Is it, well, maybe the 2022 elections are going to make things radically better, or 24 or 26? You need more hope than that. The psalmist continues, my hope comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And this is where we'll wrap up. Let your lamenting lead you to longing for heaven. Let your lamenting lead to longing. Treat the pains that you feel in your life now as hunger pangs. Treat your pains as pangs. Hunger pangs, for those of you, for those of us that, that have the benefit and the blessing of not having to deal with food scarcity on a regular basis, hunger pangs are kind of fun, aren't they? Not fun fun, and we get hangry, I'll admit it, and I think at least for me in my own mind, I have a, I'm like Jack Bauer in 24 when it comes to cheeseburgers, where like, I can only go so many days without having a burger, and I, I just can't handle it anymore. It, 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 it's, it, it's, I'm in therapy. But because I know I'm going to get another burger, I'm going to get another meal, hunger pangs are okay. Just kind of live with it. And when I have a hunger pang, a lot of the time I'll think, yeah, I'm hungry right now, but I'm going to get a meal soon. And isn't food great? Aren't cheeseburgers great? It creates a longing. As you feel pain and are afflicted, treat those as pangs for heaven. Because finally, God has promised that Zion will descend with Jesus and all things will be made new again with no more tears or suffering or pandemic or scarcity ever again. Don't let your pangs fester, but bring them into longing with God. And it's by grace. Many Israelites over many years literally probably were able to say, the plowers have plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows but we think of one in particular. Jesus of Nazareth, not any Israelite, the true Israelite, not any human, the true human, who himself was scourged for our sake. And Isaiah, also from the Hebrew Scriptures, said, the suffering servant to come will be scourged. The servant says from Isaiah, I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Or from Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, with his stripes, his furrows, we are healed. Where Jesus paid the penalty for sin for us on the cross that any and all that come to him by faith would know the renovation and forgiveness of the good God of the universe because the debt has been canceled and every pain for every person and every inch of the cosmos, that's what's on a timer. 
And God's going to come back and make it all good once again. Jesus of Nazareth stared down the big bad guys of sin and death and the devil. And on and through the cross, said, I am victorious. And here is grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.